way of uh, announcements this morning. Uh, we're having a men's dinner this Friday. It'll be our St. Patrick's Day celebration dinner. We have the corned beef and cabbage and all the trimmings, and so uh, that'll be Friday. And uh, Ted, what time? Six o'clock. And we have a sign-up sheet for the out in the uh, foyer there on the table. And so if you can make it, uh, please come. If you didn't get signed up, you didn't think you were going to be able to make it, but at the last minute you can come, we always have plenty. And so uh, feel, feel free to come, even unsigned. Okay. Today, after the worship service, we're going to have a special time. It'll be about noonish because I, I've got a couple of things I've got to do in between. But uh, we're... Uh, Remembering Arlene Scriber, and I'm cautious how I put all this together because Phil and Arlene made it very clear about memorial services and funeral services and these things, and so Phil and I were talking, and he felt like we needed to do something for the congregation to have a sense of closure, and so we're going to just have a time of fellowship. We've got uh, some refreshments to share and an opportunity if somebody would like to share something about Arlene, we'll get the the mic open, so to speak, and give the opportunity. But uh, it should be, so we'll do that right around noon, and uh, we've got time of fellowship in between, so uh, feel free to, to, if you need to go and come back, please feel free to do that. And so that's uh, this afternoon, and so uh, just... uh, Enjoying that together. Um, in the way of, of prayer this morning, um, we want to pray specifically for the churches in Ukraine. Uh, they have uh, asked again for prayer requests. Most of the uh, the, the Masters Academy, uh, which has got a home base in Southern California and several bases in Europe as well, they have one in the Ukraine. And uh, so they've got a number of churches, and their pastors have decided that they're not going to leave. They're going to stay, minister to the people that are remaining and staying behind. And uh, from what I've heard on the Internet, it's uh, been very rough for them, uh, to say the least. So uh, just keeping them in prayer that God would honor them and and, uh, bless them and bless their ministry they see a great opportunity to share the Lord and uh, offer uh, Christ. And uh, so that's what they're doing. And so we need to be praying for them and their witness. And then uh, also for uh, we just in our local congregation, uh, continue to pray for Phil. Uh, he's uh, not able to get up very easy and uh, having... Uh, Pretty much uh, his time is down, but he really appreciates the prayers. And if you choose to visit, visits are allowed, okay? You need to wear a mask, and when you come in, they ask you to wash your hands, and there's a temperature deal right there at the door. Ask you to take your temperature before you go down the hall. He's in room 114, and he does enjoy visits. They're not to be long, but he does enjoy visits. And so uh, keep that in your mind as you drive by or you're going from Safeway to Ronerville Road and you pass by Sequoia Springs. He's in the main building. 
Okay. Uh, Teresa, uh, uh, excuse me, Trisha and uh, the kids, uh, Ted's daughter and, and grandkids, uh, have been sick with a cold this uh, last week and just uh, can't quite get over it. And so we just pray for strength and health for them. Thank you for your prayers for me as I was uh, sick this last week and appreciate that. And uh, any other prayer needs that we need to mention this morning? Yes. She's here in the hospital in Fortuna? Oh, it's St. Joe's. Okay. And we'll just put it down breathing issues. Okay. Yeah. How is Jeanette doing? Anybody else? Let's pray together. Father, we come again first to say thank You. You tell us that we can come to Your throne with an absolute confidence asking for Your mercy and grace. And so that's exactly what we do for these prayer needs this morning. For the churches in Ukraine and, and, and the... the uh, their witness and testimony and be with those, keep them safe. Those who have stayed behind or haven't left, uh, uh, just take care of them, meet their needs and cause them to be able to minister and meet the needs of those around them. And especially, Lord, we pray for an outpouring of Your, your grace and salvation, Lord. We pray for those who have been going through uh, the COVID in the last uh, months. Uh, we continue to have people that have, have suffered through COVID and in our county and, and are still having uh, issues with it. And we just ask for your healing hand to touch these people, Lord. And to break the cycle. Father, we ask that you would be with Karen. Touch her body. Bring healing. Just healing throughout her body. Especially right now, these breathing issues. Cause her to know Your presence and to feel your, your, your peace and Your comfort, Lord. For Ted's mother-in-law, Jeanette, we ask that You would be with her. Normally we're praying for people to have their blood pressure come down, but here we have one too low. And we just ask that You would touch her body, bring rhythm to her heart and a strength to her body in such a way that her blood pressure returns to a, a normal range. And all these prayer needs we leave confidently in Your hands along with those that are unmentioned today. We ask for Your touch, Your healing, just Your peace, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I start the message this morning, just to remind you, we have the March, April, May daily breads out there. And finally, we have... The flow, the month, the same month to month ones in the large print. 
So if you would like one in the large print, uh, feel free to take one. If you know somebody that would like to have one, that it would help them in their devotions, feel free to take an extra one for that as well. This morning, we're continuing our messages out of the book of 1 Peter. And remember who he's writing to. Let me go over that in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles. In other words, they're the saved of the church. But he calls them exiles. which, And the reason for that is because we're no longer a part of, of, of the, the, the earth in the sense of our citizenship. Our citizenship now is in heaven through Jesus Christ. We're a part of the kingdom of God. That makes us exiles here on earth. So First Peter tells us in chapter 1, Peter, he's writing to the elect exiles of the dispersion. And he goes through the, the areas which would be modern day Turkey today and, and in that general Mediterranean area. And uh, he asks that God would be with them and sanctify them and, and meet them. And, and all through this book, it's basically understanding how we as Christians are to live in this world as Christians, as exiles, if you will, uh, and, and live out our lives in such a way that we are the testimony that God wants us to be. And I think sometimes we, we get sidetracked with that. Uh, think about who we are, who we are in Christ. And I, I'm just going to use First Peter as, uh, just to, to pick that up. In the second chapter, verse 9, uh, Peter writes, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, you, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. What are we here for? To glorify God. To proclaim His excellencies. He has called us out of darkness into light. Our purpose here, number one purpose here, is to glorify God. I think of the, the Westminster Confession. To, uh, the, the chief end of man or the purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It's the first part of the confession. And, and so that's who we are. We're different than the rest of the world. We should be different. There should be a, a testimony building in us as to how God has not only saved us, but at, in an ongoing relationship, how God has strengthened our walk with Him, has grown us in Him, how He's drawn us close to Him through His Word, and how you know, we look at it, and, and maybe you're like, like me, and, and, I, think of, uh, and I, I think of Mr. Young because they're thinking of, of, of Arlene and, and, and how she ministered to him while he was here. And a Korean from, uh, that was a Christian looking for his relatives in California because he wanted to witness to them. He was a school teacher on leave from, from South Korea and he wanted to, to minister. And, and uh, at our Bible study, he was going through and, and he says, he, he, he would go through, and, and you've heard me comment on this before, he'd look at something in the Old Testament and say, oh my, this goes with that. And he'd point to something in the New Testament. And he'd get so excited about it. And that's who we're supposed to be. And I can't help but think of, of the teachers that I've had over the years 
who have taught Bible especially, how they are able to seemingly you know, draw things together so that you understand the old and the new, realizing the Old Testament is proclaiming the coming Messiah and, and, and the Gospels are His life and His ministry and the letters are telling us how to apply it. It's all tied together. And so here we are. We're a chosen people. We're a, a royal priesthood. We're to declare Christ and, and what He's done for us and to, to the excellencies of what God has done because He's drawn us out of darkness into light. Okay, but it goes on because he says, you know, God has done this marvelous thing to us because once you were not a people. What does he mean by that? Once you were not a people. It means you weren't a people of God. You might have been a people of earth, but you weren't a people of God. You are not this people I'm talking about. Once you weren't a royal priesthood, once you weren't a chosen race, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That mercy is the grace of God. Undeserved, because it's, it's mercy. Undeserved grace. It's not something we can earn. It's not something we can buy. It's not something that we can, over a period of time, as we read the Word of God, finally obtain it's something that comes at an immediate point as, God, as you recognize Christ as your Savior. You are a part of the kingdom of God and under His grace you have received His mercy. And so Paul's wanting these people to be excited about this and, 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 and just to, to encourage them and to build them up. He even goes on, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. In other words, the things the flesh wants. And a lot of times we think, oh, well, that, you know, is he talking about sexual problems or is he talking about food and, and, and lusting after things? Of, yeah, he's talking about that, but he's also talking about meeting your needs and being selfish and wanting your needs met first. In other words, that's your part of your passion. And let's face it, we are like that. We want... We want it our way. And so he says, this is the way you were. And so he says in verse 12, he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, in other words, you're the wise that worship only one God. That makes us evil in their sight. Because they're they're, uh, to this... I'm okay, you're okay, whatever God you want to worship, but don't put anything down. And you can't say there's only one God. They may see your good deeds, in other words, the way you live your life, and glorify God on the day of visitation in His second coming. They will have to bend their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, this letter is, is the idea is living this out. How we live this out. Uh, last week, uh, we we talked about, uh, well, Brad talked about uh, a very touchy subject. Being in submission to something, to anything, again, goes against our grain. We want to have the freedom to do things our way, on our pace, and our schedule, and, and, and you know, it's just natural for 
us in our flesh. Now, I'm going to take a side note here and just say, understand, we still live in fallen flesh. This flesh is not the, the, the body of our future. We'll have a resurrected body. We will not be in this flesh that is selfish and, and, and has its passions and, and things that it wants itself to be gratified. Okay? That's, you know, that's who we are in the flesh. We're going to battle this. Romans chapter 7 says we're going to battle this. The flesh, the spirit wants this, but the flesh wants this. In fact, at the end of, of, of chapter 7 of Romans, it says, how wretched man that I am, what am I going to do? Ah, but through Jesus Christ. And then it goes into verse 1 of chapter 8. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not because they are perfect, but because Jesus Christ is perfect and paid the price for us. And so here we are. We're in this, this, this picture that he's, Peter is building for us. He says we're to be in submission. And he says that we're to be in, in submission to authority. Paul says the same thing in Romans too. You know, and what it means to be in submission to authority is, is that there are various institutions of man, and that's what uh, the, the uh, uh, English Standard Version says. We said, be subject to the, for the Lord's sake to every human institution uh, or institutions that are ordained for people or people ordained, you know, made by man. Be, you be in submission to these. So who am I to be in submission to? Well, I'm a, to be in submission to the authority of the land. In fact, he, he makes it real simple. He says, uh, uh, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him, uh, you know, and for uh, it, 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 the idea is, is that we're to obey the governor. Now, somebody will say, well, what if, what if the emperor says, you know, to, that I have to worship him? This was a problem in the, in the first century church. Where God's word stands and says, this is what we must do. We turn and say, I can't accept what the emperor has said. But you notice when Paul or any of the other uh, martyrs went to prison or went to their death, they did so without complaint. In fact, they rejoiced because it says we, we're allowed to suffer for Christ. There is a time where we have to take our stands. Acts chapter 5 and a, and a couple other places deal with that. But the, where it doesn't conflict with God's Word, we're to be obedient. So I, I know I've said this on a different subject a while back. What about the speed limit? That's, the, that's an easy one for all of us to have to deal with. What, you know, the idea is, to, is, is are we to be obedient to the laws of the land, the, the, the laws of the road? Yeah. Pretty simple. Uh, you know, the, the other laws of the land in the sense of how we do things. Uh, do, I, do I need to get a permit to do this? Do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? All the different things that we have to do to be in compliance with the law of the land. So the institutions, the government. Brad really touched on this one last week was the idea of your work environment. Now, it says slaves to their masters, but the, the translation for us today to apply this would be employees to their employers. We give what is honest 
back to the employer. In other words, we give them an honest day's work, even if others don't. We do what is right. And and it's one of those things that that he makes it very clear. This is 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 a witness and a testimony, part of who you are. People might see that you work an extra uh, push, an extra move, an extra lift, an extra moment, uh, you know, uh, an extra effort, and they'll say, "Why do you do that?" You don't say because my employer asked me to it, because maybe he didn't. You say because I am a Christian. And I'm to give everything I can to, to make my employer successful. Again, what if your employer asks you to do something immoral or illegal? Well, then you stand back. What happens? You might lose your job. But you'll do it because that's, you're standing in the right position at that point. So in our work, we're to be in, in submission in a general format. And then he goes on and he really gets in chapter 3 which is what I'm supposed to be preaching on this morning. You notice how I said it's supposed to be. <laughs> he gets really touchy. There's submission in marriage. <laughs> I'll just leave it there for a minute. There's submission in parenting. He doesn't get into that. but there is a parent and, and, and there's reference to even children in Ephesians talking about them being in submission. But what he does is he gives us then an example of this submission. Look at verse 18. He says, Servants, be subject to your masters. Okay? And, and he goes on about that. And then down in verse 22, uh, or 21, he says, For to you, uh, to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. In other words, he's given us an example of what it is to. To, to suffer when a wrong has been done to you and you suffer it through it uh, in the sense of willingly. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not uh, uh, threaten. What did it say about while he was hanging on the cross, he could have what? Called down legions of angels? That would have destroyed everything around there if that, if that was what was necessary. To, if, uh, he, didn't, he had the power. But he withheld it because he was there serving the purpose that he had come for. To rescue us. And so when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to God who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And in that context, by his wounds you have been delivered. You've been rescued. Okay. For you were stay, straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. When you confess Jesus Christ, you have returned to the shepherd, the one who oversees our souls. 
And so he's given us an example. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's, it, 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 it says uh, an order of, of, of authority that's interesting. In chapter 11, uh, verses uh, 2 and 3. Now I command, commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. God has put an order together of, of submission that He says is part of His kingdom. The way His kingdom here on earth works. So we come to, to how First Peter puts this. He says, wives... In fact, he says, likewise, wives, just as what has just been read, the examples that have been read, you too, okay, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Uh, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy woman uh, who hoped in God uh, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, Calling him Lord, and you are his, and you are her children. There's a guy that says we should have uh, groups at, at church, daughters of Abra, uh, daughters of Sarah, yeah, and uh, calling him Lord, and you are her children. And if you do good and do not fear anything, that is that is frightening. In other words, God is going to intervene and and, and cover you. Even things that should be frightening you will not tear you away from. You, you'll still be able to maintain a peace and a calm. And then he says, likewise, again, husbands, live with your wives as an, in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. A lot of women don't want to hear the word weaker vessel there. Explain in a second. Since they are heirs with you, or they are also joint heirs. We are joint heirs with Jesus. They are heirs with you of the grace of life. They've received the same mercy and grace that we've any, anybody has received. They are heirs. They are joint heirs. By the way, that combination of the way the words are put together there means they are equal with you before the throne of Christ. Ladies, please hear that as we go through this. There are some places in churches that teach different than that, and I just want to make sure you understand. Fully equal in Christ. So that your prayers, and this is to the men, treat your wives this way so that your prayers will not be hindered. That's a pretty significant ramification of not being obedient to the Scripture. 
your prayers will not be hindered, meaning that your prayers will be heard by God. In other words, your prayers are hindered if you are not being obedient to Scripture. And this Scripture in the way you honor and care for your wife. You can't look at this. Remember, uh, Brad last week was talking about the fact that, that you can't jump off of one Scripture and decide, that, oh, well, this is what the Word of God says. There's a number of stories about what might happen. And remember, Brad said you don't just drop your Bible down, open it up and go like this. And there's the old story that goes, the guy you know, wanting to know what God wants him to do. And he, Judas went out and hung himself. Oh, that's not what I want. Go and do likewise. What you do, do quickly. You know, I mean, you could find yourself, and I know that's, I'm being a little bit redundant there, and, 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 but the idea is that that's not the way we, we, we look at this. You know, and, and we, we take the, the, the Word of God in its wholeness. What does the Word of Bible, the Word of God say about submission? Peter says something there. Does Paul say anything? Well, yes, we know he does in Ephesians chapter 5. And again, it's, it's verses that are controversial even in the church today because uh, it kind of contradicts what our nation and our independence drives us in. And, and, and so uh, it, it talks about... Uh, Wives and husbands, in chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. I just read that out of, out of the other scripture in 1 Corinthians. And, 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 is the head, and, and is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should Submit in everything to their husbands. And we start getting hung up on gender things through there, you know, uh, to a degree that you forget that within the framework, guys, we are the bride of Christ. We get, we get too anxious to, to, to look at things and say, you know, and, and instead we should say, why is God saying this is necessary? Why is he putting it together this way? Well, According to Ephesians, let me read the, 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 the last couple of verses of Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. Oh, there's a mystery here? Now, mysteries are meant to be understood in the Scripture, so what is it? So let me explain it to you, he says. I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Our relationships, husband and wife, are to be reflective of the Christ of Christ in the church. We're, yeah, that's the way he, he has designed it to be a witness and a testimony to a lost world. People aren't a lot of most people don't come to church first. They see the lives of people and the way they live them, and they say why. And they get witness to, and then they visit church. And so we're, this is part of our testimony. Living it out. Subject to, to God and, 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 and Christ. You see it in Christ's example. First uh, Peter chapter... Uh, uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, 
verse 5 talks about this same thing in the sense of Christ and, and His submission. Listen to this. We are told, this is a, 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 something that we are to do. Listen. Verse 5 of chapter 2 of Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves. That's us. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're a Christian, this is available to you to have this mindset. Who though he was in the form of God, did not commit equality with God, uh, count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he was equal with God. But he didn't grasp at it. He set it aside. What does John tell us? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And then on verse 14 it says, And He emptied Himself and became flesh. And verse 18 says He did it to declare who the Father is and the plan of the Father. And so here it is again being told to us in the, in the epistles how to, to apply this. Have this mind, in, uh, the mind of Christ about these things. Taking the form of a servant. Jesus took the form of a servant. Husbands, this is really important to grasp if you're going to look at this wife be subject to me, yet I'm taking the, the form of a servant as a husband in Christ. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. Jesus had a sacrificial love for His bride. And husbands are called to have the same for their wives. Again, look at verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in the understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And by the way, the idea of weaker vessel here has nothing to do with spiritual walk or, or able to comprehend the Bible or in relationship to Christ in any way, shape, or form. It means built physically in a slightly different way and you're not as, as, as strong. Generally speaking, that's the truth. Somebody's, whenever I say that, somebody's going to show me some uh, woman weightlifter who can outlift almost any man. Okay? I believe that exists and I can see it and, I, and how they work to get there and all that kind of stuff. When he's saying is the generality here, the weaker vessel, meaning we are, you know, guys are built in a way that is slightly different than the women is built. The woman is built in a way different than men. And, and I think about it, all the ways the woman is different. One of them has to do with your ability to have a child. Now, you might think that that's a, 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 a difficulty because of all the pain that it brings and stuff like that. But that's something that the man can't do. Okay, we, God has created us and made us different in such ways as to accomplish His purposes. And so when He says weaker here, He's not talking about weaker in the sense of of mental capacity or ability to teach or anything. He's talking about physically. Since they are heirs with you, joint heirs, with the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. 
Why is this necessary? Why do we have to have this structure that God has put together? Well, it requires us to go back to the beginning. Very quickly, Genesis chapter 1, after the, the, the general picture of creation uh, and, and the heavens and the earth, it says uh, in verse 26 of chapter 1, Then God said, Let us, by the way, that plural word, let us, the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. They were to be image bearers on earth. They were to represent God. I heard one person from Institution of Creation Research put it, if the animals were to be able to reason, they might have said, oh, look, there's someone that looks like God. Now, that's not to give us any kind of complex or anything, but what it says is that we were His image bearers. We were, he put us in charge of the things that He had created. So He created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. So is the female in the image of God as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. God creates the Garden of Eden, puts man in there, and creates Eve, and He joins her in there as co-regents of the Garden. The fall happens. And we get into chapter 3, and it talks about what happened. And we have the details given to us, you know, uh, chapter 1 through 7, the sin, eating the forbidden fruit, opens their, their minds to things that they would never have thought of. It, it opened their passions of the flesh. Sin entered the world. The confrontation in verses 8 through 13 of, of Genesis chapter 3. It's interesting. They were used to meeting with God. They're hiding from Him. By the way, what else had they done? Does anybody recall what else they did besides hide from God? They made clothing out of fig leaves. It says before that there was no shame in their, in their nakedness. Now they looked at each other. It ignited their fleshly passions. They knew things and started thinking things that were not of, of God. And they tried to cover themselves from each other. And then when they heard God, they tried to hide from Him. So notice the change in their behavior. Hide from God. And then when God confronts them, they play the blame game. Adam says, it's not my fault. He doesn't I'm paraphrasing. It's not my fault. It's the woman you gave me. The woman says, it's not my fault. It's, it's a serpent. Well, it's easy to see how God saw this. 
Everybody was at fault. They'd followed their passions instead of God, and they'd sinned. So in chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, the serpent is, is judged. In, in verse 16, Eve is judged. And verses 17 through 19, Adam is judged. In verse 21, there's a blood sacrifice made. The skins of animals were brought forth. The first time we have the shedding of blood in the Scriptures. I believe it was a sacrifice, if you will, to show that sin has to be paid for by blood. The life is in the blood. Sin is, 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 takes a life. And he made clothes for them from the skins, but then they lost Adam. It shows they lost the garden. Adam, the planter, would plant, and now he'd get thistles instead of tomatoes. You know, I mean, it's just... He, this was the curse. That curse is with us to this day. We have been drawn from that curse through Christ shedding His blood on the cross. Through His sacrifice. And bringing us into the kingdom of God. Extending His mercy and His grace. Even though we don't deserve it, in the flesh, we still don't. You know, we still desire our things in flesh. We argue with the Spirit constantly. You know, He has given us the grace, and we know that we, so that we can know that we can know that we can know we are saved, that we have eternal life, that we are of the kingdom of God. We are not part of this world. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God has covered our sin. had a lengthy process here to go through, but I'm going to keep it very short because these are verses that you know. The restoration of man. God has extended His mercy and His grace. We were in the darkness, now we're in the light. How did that happen? Well, again, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and glorified the Father in the sense that He revealed the Father and the plans the plans the Father had for us. And in the framework of that, John in 3.16, the third chapter, says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And so we go into this and we find in, 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 in the book of Romans several passages but the key one is, is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all gone astray. Not one of us deserves God's grace. Not one. And what are the wages of this sin? Death. Chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death. But then there's a but, and it's a transition one. But the free gift of life, eternal life. Comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus went to the cross before we ever confessed him. So he took the first step and has invited us. And it says in chapter 10 if we will confess Jesus as the Lord 
and that God has raised him from the dead and that he is the Christ, the Son of God, we will be saved. We're heirs in the grace of life. That's what Peter, uh, Peter said back here again. Heirs with you of the grace of life. Women, men, together. I'm to honor my wife. That means simply to put her first. Be concerned about her needs. Now, we, some people even go to that the, 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 the verse where uh, Eve is judged in chapter uh, 3 of verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16. Listen to what the, the curse on Eve was. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And then this one sentence. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. The word shall be that your desire shall be for actually your husband means that I will desire a compassionate man but what I'm going to get is one who rules over me. In fact, it actually says in, in the Hebrew Bible, it says, when it's translated, it says, uh, your, 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 uh, your desire will be against your husband because he wants to rule over you. Okay? It's out of sync with what God planned. Why? Because sin blew it up. And so God brings it back together through the blood of Christ. The whole Old Testament pointing to that. The New Testament and the Gospels revealing it. And the, old, and the rest of the New Testament showing us how to put it together to life. We are heirs in the grace of life together. And our church, the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ is to be a testimony to that. A witness to this. What is the purpose of God? Or man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. How do we glorify God? Men, by honoring our wives. Women, by loving our husbands. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a mutual gift. Ephesians uh, 5.21 says, submitting one to another within the whole body of Christ. Talking about that. It's all give. It's meant to, for us to understand. We are to give and we don't have the ability to do that short of Jesus Christ in us. And so if you've confessed Jesus Christ, you come to church and, you, and we share the Word together and then we have communion. And in communion, we're sharing what Christ has done for us. He came in the flesh. Not just that He gave His flesh. He came in the flesh. That was a sacrifice in and of itself. He emptied Himself. became flesh. And His flesh, in His flesh, fully flesh, fully man, went to the cross, shed His blood, and died to purchase our grace. And His resurrection shows that He has the power and authority And so we rest in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ every time we share in communion. In fact, we're going to do that right now.
And so I'd ask the singers to come back up and, and piano players to come back up and, and we'll, we'll sing a, a, a song for communion. We have, we're not passing the, the plates yet uh, because of the uh, COVID restrictions and things. So what we've done is we have uh, two ways you can take communion. One is it's a packet. You open up the packet, there's the wafer, and open the second level of the packet, and there's the juice if you want. But we also simply have the cup. There's two cups. One, the bottom cup has the bread, and the top cup has the, the juice. So whichever one makes you comfortable, feel free to do it. And uh, while we're singing the song, if you'd come up and, and, and bring, uh, take the communion back to your seat, we'll share it together in just a few minutes.
Paul writes to the the, uh, Corinthians in his letter to them, the first Corinthian letter. He says, For I received from the Lord that also which I delivered to you, that the Lord... Excuse me, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us share the bread together. Paul goes on. In the same way also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. Again, Father, we come to You and say thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. We thank You for what You did for us. You came in the flesh. Set your, it says you, 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 set your, 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 you emptied yourself and became in the flesh to a servant of man, even death on the cross. For us. So that all who would confess You as Lord and Savior and believe in You and believe that God raised You from the dead and that You're coming again for us. And we look forward to that day, Lord. That we would be saved. We rest in that truth. We thank You for the gift of life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we close? And uh, we have some refreshments in the back uh, if you can't stay with us. But uh, around noon we will have our uh, memorial service, uh, our fellowship time, uh, fellowship service uh, in remembrance of Arlene. So, Lord bless. Thank you for being here this morning.